Listen, we were in Sheboygan for a wedding, <laughs> and the bar was packed. We couldn't get a seat. We got we were doing a rehearsal deal, and now we're gonna go have a few drinks. You know, I'll wine a little bit, and you know, when I get around, I, I I'm kind of a loner. I don't like being in big groups. I don't like going to concerts or going to the football game. I like watching it at home because I can actually see the game. But I, people, I get nerved up when there's big functions and you got to go do them, you know. So I cramp up a little bit sometimes. Anyway, we needed a seat. I, my mother-in-law, she's in the group. I said, I'll get us a seat. I go filtering amongst them over at the bar and I unleashed the fury. And this thing, it's not silent and deadly. It's, it's silent, you die. If you, you know, you don't smell it, you, you taste it. <laughs> And these people peeled out of there and opened up like six seats at the bar. And my mother-in-law, she said, I ain't, Larry, I ain't never seen nothing like it, never in my life. So that wasn't the kicker. That was it. Now we're in the wedding. We were at the hall afterward eating dinner. And there's a big hall. And the, and the big air conditioners are blowing. They got streamers, you know. And, and I'm sitting at the table. Oh, man, I better not because they've been not good, right? They've been like on a 1 to 10. They're right on the top of their 10s, right? And, uh, again, I've been her sister, family. They know me, right? So I said, all right, I'll just sample. I feather <laughs> one out, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, nobody's saying nothing, right? Okay, I'll let another one, you know, come inside me. I'll let another one. And, I mean, people sitting at the table we're at. Nothing. I ain't got nothing. My sister-in-law is like four tables over, right? She stands, Louie, that's what they call me, Louie. She stands up, she's looking around. Louie, you didn't. Because with that air conditioner was taking the stuff and moving it. It was moving it fast. <laughs> and she busted me in that hall of people. That was not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a little history there. But I quit eating onions, so I don't have that problem oh, yeah. no more. I tell you, them onions. I am ready for battle. Boom! Boom! That's unbelievable. Holy crap, man, are you kidding me? All right, that is uh, the Hooked Hunting intro. This is Hooked Hunting Podcast. Uh, my name is Connor Olstead. I... I'm here with Ken, Justin, and Larry um, for the uh, some some hunting in the Dakotas, some deer, whitetail, mule deer. We had quite the morning. I mean, it is what time is it now? Eleven fifteen. Eleven fifteen, and we have we have two deer down. Most of them, they're mostly cut up, right, Larry? I mean, I know you were uh, working yeah, on them. We have one that's fully processed done and the other one is skinned cooling and uh, we'll get after it soon as we get done with this business not a usual thing to have when it comes to the uh the prairie being done that quickly but um larry i wasn't there for your deer Let, let's hear what uh what was the story what happened well we were you know looking for a good one it was early this morning it was cold the snow and the deer were on their feet we were seeing deer and uh we seen a pod there was four bucks uh four muley bucks they were little you know little deer so we we're certainly looking for something better than that and uh you know we come over to this ridge and uh here's this big boy standing a couple hundred yards he got i don't know six seven does with him and kind of was a blur <laughs> i was going into ninja mode <laughs> and uh 
we get, you know, able to make a, a nice shot on him and, uh, he didn't go, he didn't go 10 yards and, uh, it was hard to, you know, he was it's big, mature deer. This is what you're looking for. Um, um, just, you, you couldn't kill a nicer, mature deer. I'm very fortunate this morning. But good. I'm glad you got one. It's a really unique rack on that guy. It is. It's i I'm going to think it's a four and a half, five and a half year old deer for sure. Um, I thought he was a three by three. He's a three by two, but he's just got, he has got logs for beams and he's 30 wide and, uh, he is, uh, he's a very nice mule deer. Yeah. Very happy with him. Cool. Very cool. Justin, what about your hunt? How did your hunt go this morning? Cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was really cold. Now, uh, we started out just, uh, kind of browsing around looking, trying to put some spot on some animals and I really didn't see. Uh, much that we, you know, wanted to take a poke at. And it was, uh, was kind of funny. We went out onto that one point, overlooked everything, and uh, literally right above this buck that we ended up harvesting and uh, <laughs> and backed out of there and uh, went around the other side of the ridge to see that literally maybe I would say, what, 50, 100 yards from where we were just on the top of the point there. Yeah. And I uh, looked back, and here's this beautiful 4 by 4 with the uh, Great eye guards and <clears throat> sitting with the doe and not in any hurry and got a spotting scope out and checked him out. And he looked to be a, a beautiful, you know, mature, heavy, heavy buck. And, and uh, well, we, we, we decided to go put a stock on him and got within range and, and uh, waited a little bit for <laughs> the go ahead on the, the, the trigger finger. Yeah. Uh, maybe almost to the point where it's just pushing a little bit too late, but, uh, one shot, one kill, and uh, away we go. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, Ken, you were, uh, well, what's your perspective on that one? Well, it was one of those things where uh, I was <laughs> trying to direct traffic just a little bit with getting a couple different uh, camera angles, and it almost cost Justin the uh, opportunity on the deer. So Connor is uh, teaching. I'm a mentor. <laughs> I'm being mentored, and uh, kind of like Larry is you know, struggling with the ability to keep his finger off the trigger. Um, I'm, I'm having trouble with understanding that, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I, what I was trying to do is get uh, the camera on Justin as he's getting ready to make the shot. So yeah. uh, the important thing was Connor was on the, on the, on the buck and had it where he needed it and in the buck was trying to make an escape. And so Justin did the right thing and that is trip the trigger and, uh, all was good. Yeah. Yeah. And he did not go far. He, it looked like he was going to be able to go far, but uh, he just wobbled over and yeah. headed down the hill. Nice little slide. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, growing up, you know, you've always been taught to kind of imagine where the exit of the bullet is going to be or arrow. Um, and so we've, that was just kind of the last second, like, okay, right there, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, because so, the, sure. the buck was definitely uh, um, angling away. Angling so you away. put it in just in front of the hip and then out the front shoulder, if yep. you will. And, yeah, you couldn't have you couldn't have went up there and painted a better spot where to put that bullet. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, Justin, we don't know much about you. We, we uh, got to know Larry and uh, Ken a little bit. Uh, in the last podcast. And, and by the way, everybody, if you want to watch, uh, this hunt, either one of these hunts, they will be on the hooked hunting YouTube channel. So definitely go check that out. But, uh, Justin, like what's your story and how you got into the, the outdoor industry and got to know Ken and, um, and kind of what you're doing now. Well, that's, uh, 
That That's could a, be a lengthy story. <laughs> an incredibly in-depth story. Yeah. 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 Uh, just being in the industry, I uh, had the uh, the opportunity to get to know Ken and and uh, in in launching some new products, which has been was a huge huge asset to the industry. Um, always been a hunter my whole life. You know, growing up in Montana on a ranch, it was kind of a a necessity, a way of life. Um, you 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 eat what you kill, and, and it's uh, growing up with seven kids. Trust me when I say having a a couple of elk or, or deer in the freezer helps you get through the winter time. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was uh, just always been a passion of mine and, and uh, a great escape from life and, and reality and understanding that, uh, you know, you go out to do this and it's, it's, it's a reset, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. For me, uh, more spiritual. You know, I find myself when I'm out there, whether I'm alone or with, I'm just with my brother Ken Byers, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, or my family members, I usually try to take one of my kiddos with me when we go, but wasn't exactly sure we were going to get into this round. So decided to stay home. Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. Um, and you guys, you jointly, um, are doing elevate, right? Yeah. So a company that, uh, Justin basically invited me to be a part of and, and wanted me involved and, and that that's probably what drew us closer together yeah. was was that venture yep. and uh you know it's elevate is a interesting company it's a technology that b- helps people raise their quality of life and with that whether you have uh pain from joints or recovering from an athletic activity th- these are products that help that so yeah it was uh something that we came together on been involved for probably five years now and uh but we we both run businesses separate separate businesses, so we have been. It's been a whirlwind, indeed. Yeah, at least. And and for those of you, obviously, this podcast you can't really see Justin, but he's a big dude. He's a big dude with an even bigger truck, and uh, he uh, and so he gets after it just like Ken does. On uh, keeping fit and everything is important, obviously. Um, but that leads me to a question I have for you. You've obviously been Kenton with our. Kenton hunting with Ken Byers. Um, have you, uh, has he got you into any, uh, sketchy situations and, uh, um, like he has so many other people. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> um, I, I don't know about sketchy, but you know, we, we've been, Hard, you we've know, been in the excursion a number of times to where it's been stuck or in snow and crossing rivers with our boots on or off. And, you know, it's, it's an adventure. Yeah, I think your first turkey hunt, you're crossing rivers, taking boots off, <laughs> yep. helping people. I didn't take my boots off that time. Oh, you just went. I just went, went all in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Justin river, goes right? the. Yep. He goes the next level, and and uh, he's always fun to be around because he's got that passion and drive, and so many of the people that we do hang out with, and 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 really enjoy being in uh, the outdoors with, have that same passion. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, that leads me into a little bit more of a harder situation that uh, Ken and Larry got into this last week. Um, Larry, you want to talk about your little walkabout that you had with uh, with the buyers? You know. Yeah, at, uh, it was Ken and I. You know, I've been I've known Ken a lot of years, and we've been on a lot of excursions together. And uh, and 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 there's a lot going on, so a lot of times we don't get to hunt together. So it worked out. It was opening day, and uh, of course, it was afternoon, and neither one of us had, you know, tagged out. There was people in camp that had. So Ken said, you know, we're going to go to this spot. You know, it's walking now where they used to be able to drive up into these 
um, you know, cliffs and stuff. And um, it's just some really nice terrain for the whitetail. So I said, yeah, I'm game on, you know. <laughs> so we, we get out and we commence to take this hike. And uh, we get down in there and uh, I don't know, he's telling me it was only three miles, but I think it was more. But we were in there a few miles and uh, we spotted a nice buck, Ken, uh, you know, spotted this buck and he was out there. He was like 564 yards was a shot and he did a great job filming. Ken had uh, the camera on the tripod on the deer and he had, he was filming me with his phone and, uh, and you know, luckily the, the buck stood there while we got all set up and uh, we made the shot and got him. And so it's maybe a half hour before dark. So now we got to slide down this draw and get over to this deer and we get there just about to him. We're kind of high fine. The deer's laying in the weeds and, we hear something, Ken looks, and here's this 10-point scatting out underneath us, and he's running up the draw. Well, Ken didn't have a gun. He was filming me, so I threw him my gun. He threw me his phone and said, film this. <laughs> and, uh, man, he made a great shot. This buck was running up the hill 200 yards dead away, and he texts his heart shot this deer and piled him up. So now we're standing there, and it's about 10 minutes of being dark, and uh, I'm like, man, you know what? You better get over there find him. So he went over to his deer. I was at mine, and we broke them two deer down. He broke his down. I broke mine down, and we packed them up. And, I mean, I had a big deer. I had uh, I had eight one-gallon Ziplocs packed. He couldn't zip them. And so he gets back over to me. He's got his deer all packed in his pack and the head there on his uh, – pack and he's helping me and i'm like we're gonna have to get some help to get this on my shoulders so we get it loaded up and and we were overloaded i mean two guys one deer is no big deal but we were both packing full deer on each of us with the heads and uh i said like we got to go back this three and a half miles we just came and you know he's got his onyx map and we're looking for <laughs> we're looking for a shortcut he said oh man good we only got a mile <laughs> we can go this way but uh so he made sure that he found every fence he could find in that section and made me try to go over that fence. And I only fell down one and a half time with a 100-plus-pound pack on my back. And I was maybe using some verbiage that wasn't real good at the time, but I was under a lot of pressure. Ken, the good guy he was, he helped me out. He grabbed on, tried to get me, get me vertical. So... By the time we did get to the rig, and uh, we had a guy pick us up, and he, he pinned this guy. This is where you need to be. And we gets out to the truck, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, I was I was exhausted. And it's drizzling rain, and I'm like, and then we cross another fence. <laughs> These fences <laughs> with a pack is not a good time. And we knew we couldn't take them off because I'd never get it back on. It was too heavy to get back on my <laughs> shoulders. So, no, um, it was an adventure, and, that, and that's, that's total buyer's uh, style right there. Go in go in light and come out heavy, and, and that we did. It was a great hunt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the only thing I can add to that is as before we shoot, the de- shoot a deer, he looks at me and said, do we really have to walk back where we just came? <laughs> I'm like, well, pretty much. But when he did fall, the ground gave way on a cow path, <laughs> and I hear this commotion behind me. And I didn't even want to turn around with my headlamp and look at that pile of carnage that was laying there on that side hill because I didn't know he's had both knees replaced. But that's the cool thing about Larry. He's, he just knows go, and uh, he he may have said a couple funny words that uh, we – 
I tried to take away from my mind right away. But uh, with that, we we hoisted it back up and and we took off again. And you know, hour and a half later, we were out. <laughs> yeah, quite the pressure for your uh, for getting out of there. Um, what what pack were you using? Um, you know, great question because and it's a new one. Yeah, just one second though. So just for it, for those of you that aren't familiar, the way that we kind of do things is we like to do the gutless method, and that's uh, where we're able to take all the meat all of it off of the deer right there in the field and um, put them in Ziplocs. That's why Larry was talking about about eight Ziploc bags. Usually a, a mature deer is like five to six, right? Yeah, pretty much. You're going to run six packs every, yeah. every time. And so eight, you know, that's a big deer and um, oh, those one-gallon bags. And so anyway, fitting all that, what pack were you using to get it in there and get it out? Well, it's the new the new Elps Elite uh, 3800. They make it in a couple different sizes, but that's just perfect for the medium-sized big game animals of whitetail and mule deer. So they've uh, really upped their game and making a great product, and, and we're happy to be um, utilizing it. And I'll say this about uh, what what took place is when uh, Larry hit his deer and we're looking at it, I'm like, my goodness, that thing is huge, just huge, the body. And we walked up to it, and I'm like, it, it, it was mind-boggling to your eyes what that how big a body it was so when i saw that 10 point trying to flutter up the hill and get away and i was fortunate enough to uh, get a shot i walked up to it and i looked at it and i looked at it and i'm like oh that's cute and i'm like oh man i was so happy that it was a third to si- size smaller than larry's buck because there's a lot less meat to get out of oh a hundred percent because he's gonna get broke down and do all that but you know the, I guess my only, the bugger part of it is if the deer I shot, which he had plenty of antlers and he was a shooter, no doubt. But if he'd had two more years, the genetics that my deer had was, he would have been really an exceptional deer. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And, and the Alps pack, that's pretty light, isn't it? Well, that's, the, um, it's 30% stronger than their packs, their previous pack. And at the same time coming in 25% lighter. So yeah. Nice. Okay. Yep. Very cool. Well, um, Justin, you touched touched a little bit on uh, one of your tips uh, for hunting and like hunting hacks, if you will. And I wanted to kind of go around and talk with each of us talking about different hunting hacks. But where did you uh, first come up with the, you know, imagine your exit wound, um, th- that that little hack? So years, I mean, I've been, always been taught, you know, it's it's all about where the the bull exits, right? And and uh, the angle of where it goes through the uh, uh, the vitals. Um, I was actually hunting, you recall this hunt when I was out in Nevada, uh, archery hunting, uh, with a Lennis Jansen of Crooked Horn Outfitters. And, um, <laughs> he, he put me on some deer and said, Hey, you know, go, go look at this one. It looks like a pretty decent buck. And, uh, as I got up there, I, I realized that he must've missed the one that I was seeing. So I called him and they were already too far past. So anyhow, I said, okay, I'm going to go put a stock on this thing and and uh this this buck was just an absolute giant <clears throat> he was uh, i mean conservatively i would have said 38 inches wide he was a massive massive buck i've got a 34 inch on my wall so i've definitely got something to compare it to um <clears throat> but i went uh i was I, I put about a four mile stock on this buck um it's just me by myself you know and had my a nose jammer <laughs> up in my left pocket. It's a phenomenal product. 
And uh, every time I felt like I was got a little closer, they could win me. I'd give a little puff. And, and um, anyhow, so I got up to uh, within 130 yards, and then I belly crawled down to um, 118 yards. And then it was pretty much set. I wasn't going to be able to take another step. I mean, they, they had me pinned. So I had to wait it out for a little while. Um, I'd practiced out to 130 yards pretty consistently. And... Um, I, I normally shoot a mechanical broadhead, but uh, ultimately a buddy of mine who worked for, uh, let's see, well, he, he got me some Montex, which are a fixed blade. And so um, I drew back after ranging this buck. He was broadside, and uh, I, I shot at him, and it missed, went right below his belly, and and he, he didn't do anything. He just sat there kind of like, what the heck's that noise? And I couldn't figure out, I, I wasn't sure if something was wrong with my, my uh, sight or what. Because, you know, I'd never dropped it or anything like that. So I ranged it again. This time it ranged, uh, it was at 114 yards or something. And I drew back in the same exact spot. So I thought, well, this, this just isn't going to work. <clears throat> and as I looked underneath the bottom of my sight, the back of the broadhead was, touch, was hitting the bottom of the sight. So when I set it up, like I said, ultimately I'd set it up for mechanicals. Didn't take into consideration that I was sh- going to shoot the Montex. Um, hence, once again, practice with what you're going to shoot with. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah, hear G5. you, Larry. What did you say? Yeah, Larry said. I, I just tell him that had it been the G5. Uh, exactly. That uh, little shop that uh, started that uh, was like three miles from where I grew up in a little okay. town of Memphis, Michigan, where them guys started out. And, they, man, they, they have just exploded. Yeah. Great broadheads. But, once again, I just I was, had it lined for uh, for mechanical. So, then I had they kind of moved up the hill a little bit from me, and I had an opportunity to get down and get within uh, 87 yards. At this point in time, I thought, well, the bottom of the site, I should have more than enough clearance for these broadheads. And he was angled up again, very similar today, but the opposite side. <clears throat> and as he was angled up, I mean, to, to put it into perspective how big he was, you know, he had his antlers back scratching his butt like an elk. Oh, wow. He was, he was a bruiser. So I arranged him, felt confident, drew back, and let it fly. And it went right through, and I saw I saw blood exit, and I just sat there and watched him, and he, he jumped and took off up here a little bit in front of me, and uh, um, kind of hunched up, you know, like when they've been hit and, and sick, or uh, they just, you know, he, he knew something wasn't right. So I knew I hit him, made a stupid move, you know, uh, one of the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, there was a little doe that was maybe 10 feet from me hiding behind a juniper. And she winded me, or she blew and took off and, and uh, spooked the rest of them. So, I went after that buck, and I searched literally for four days on my hands and knees over that mountain. I found little bits of blood here and there. No massive, massive ones, but a few that I felt like could have been, you know, a, a good chunk of blood that maybe... Not necessarily bleed out, but eventually would have. Mm. So, made me sick. Biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. You know, I had an opportunity, uh, took it, and 
didn't get to harvest them. And then yeah. uh, fifth day I went out and uh, looking for birds. Cause I'm thinking, well, he's got to be dead somewhere. Got to be dead somewhere. <clears throat> and so I uh, went back to the ranch where we were staying at. And uh, the rancher was a friend of mine. He says, hey, I think that my neighbor saw your buck. I said, why is that? He goes, he said he saw the biggest buck he's ever seen in his life. And he had a red spot on his chest like he'd been shot. And uh, I thought, well, it had to have been my buck because the way he described it was yeah. identical. So retracing my steps, looking at it, finding the arrow. Um, you know, I uh, the only thing I can think of is that what they call the dead zone, you know, or, yeah. uh, or no man's land, whatever you want to call it. But the the entrance of the arrow went in and just completely missed all vitals, but still exited, went through the animal. But not touching any vitals, there's no rhyme or reason for him to not die, or not to, uh, to die. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. But it was a valuable lesson for me, you know, and, and I feel like I'm a fairly experienced hunter. I've been doing it my whole life. But uh, you still find yourself making errors. And it's a constant, constant school of, Hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, that's yeah. that's my hack for, you know, always understand the entrance, but where it has to cross to hit the vitals for your exit. Yeah. Well, that's a cool story to go along with it. Uh, Larry, while you think of your hunting hack to share, I'm going to pop it over to Ken. Ken, what do you got for us today to kind of share with the the listeners? Well, I got, uh, I'm going to, I got two of them related the in the same activity and that's your headlamp okay and uh you know we use them so many different applications fishing hunting um anytime you're in the dark and you're working with your hands it's so nice to have your hands free so the hacks that i have one came from kind of i think i thought of it myself i'm not sure and then the other came from uh, a good friend of mine toby shaw and that is the first one, I'll just say this, <clears throat> when you're throwing your, I think anybody who has used headlamps for hunting has reached in their backpack to grab it up and you're like, oh, son of a biscuit, the, the light's on or the battery's dead because the light turned on while you're, while you're hiking all day in the daylight and not paying attention. Well, if you take in so many of the headlamps today, there are three triple A's, you take that middle triple A, spin it around, slide it back in place, then that light will never come on. And when you need that light to work it's going to work so that's one hack and then the second one is forever when i was filleting fish after dark and or gutting a deer breaking a big game animal down i'd have my flashlight on top of my hat and uh, so i'm always chasing the shadow of my bill so to speak so through that uh trial and error i started putting the my uh, headlamp underneath my hat and never looked back because now you're getting 100 percent of the light yeah yeah, my only, the thing that kind of um, you have to watch out with, with what headlamps you have is you can't have the strap over the top because then you can't put it underneath the hat. Um, Larry, you have a, um, a hunting hack for us today? Well, let me just let everybody give everybody the warning up front right away. If you're with Ken Byers and you're on the hunt, make sure. I have a heck of a time keeping my knives sharp. <laughs> you want to make sure you got extra knives, blades, and accessories because you're going to need them. 
That's one thing for sure. When you're with Ken Buyer, you are going to need a sharp knife. And um, it's uh, something that you don't want to be without. Your knife is a very important implement when you're in the field. And uh, I want to get back, um, just touch on Justin's story about that buck that he hit, that dead zone. I'm a Michigander, and we have a lot of hunters, a lot of pressure, a lot. And my dad, my dad was, um, he was an outdoors guy. You know, we had 11 kids in our family, and you talk about the food and the hunting. It wasn't about all fun. It was about sustenance and getting through the winter, you know, and it was real. And my ma was, in, she was big into it. She was, I mean, he'd bring the stuff home. We'd bring it home. My ma grabbed knives and the way she went, you know, and so it, it, it's part of life. But, um putting the animal down and understanding the entrance and the exit and what the terrain and where you're at, you know, um, me and my dad got into a little, uh, we got in a little disagreement, um, because he was all about the meat. And, um, I was all about, look, when you're shooting whitetail and there's a property line and the guys next door ain't going to let you in here. I, I don't got any plans of him getting that far. So I became, I take a high frontal shoulder shot and it, and it, it anchors a deer and I'm not chasing them. And my dad, you know, we, I was brought up, you punch him behind the shoulder through that heart and lung and, uh, you know, yeah, it's a death deal, but these whitetail, man, these whitetail, they got the will to go, and they'll, they'll go. They can go 100, 150 yards with the running gear taken out. So we were back behind my house. I'm surrounded by state land where I live, and we have blinds. They're, they're two miles behind the house. We call it the uh, canals, and there's these big water systems back in there. And my dad wasn't about, you know, sitting 100 yards behind the barn. You got to put a pack on. We had to take hip boots because it's marsh country we were in. And um, we killed some, we killed deer back there. I mean, they get pushed back. So here's this buck coming through. My dad, you know, um, 8.30, opening morning, this nice, you know, 8.20 inch spread. And he gets on it and flattens this buck. And he flattens him right there. He's behind the shoulder, right? He's in that right in the bread basket. So the buck's laying on the ground. Dad, he's, you know, well, th- finishing up a coffee, sitting on his ground blind. I, well, I better get over, get after it. <laughs> his gun's leaning in the, in the blind. He gets out, walks over to the deer. The deer looks at him, and uh, he had another plan. Now, this is with a 12-gauge slug. This is about four or five inches behind the shoulder and about six inches down from the spine, and he didn't hit a lung. He punched this hole through this buck, knocked this buck out, huh. and he got up and was gone. And we tracked that buck a mile and a half. We guys were shooting their guns at it. And we caught up with that buck, and we had to call my wife to come around the swamp, we call it, to pick us up at dark. Uh. <laughs> and we finally caught up with that buck. So the moral of the story is there is. There, there's a dead zone. And them deer, a lot of bow hunters lose deer just hitting a little bit too high, and the lungs are deflated when that arrow goes through, and they, they catch nothing. But that's why I kind of move up to that shoulder because when you take that, when you take them front shoulders out of them, they're, they're not going anywhere. So that's my tip. Uh, shot placements is everything, no doubt about it. But if you are in a situation like we are in Michigan, I want to anchor that deer where he stands. The deer today, I literally put the crosshairs right behind the shoulder. Um, we're in open country, snow on the ground. He ain't going anywhere. You know, I can track him and, and, and be there, know where he was going to be. So, 
Yeah, we had a situation. You were talking about knives earlier. We had a situation with the knives. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Might as well been trying to use a spoon to cut to cut that bugger. Yeah. So we uh, Ken volunteered to go back to the truck, take the nice uh, long walk in the cold air up there, and uh, and actually we weren't out of the truck. How long do you think we were out of the truck? Less than an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think when from the time the trigger trigger was trip to when we cracked the doors, it was probably right about forty five minutes. And so. With that in perspective, my water that was in there froze. It froze. Not completely solid, but it was slushy, okay? And so it was that cold inside the truck that that happened. Um, But anyway, um, with that, Ken left with all the knives. And so I go into my pack, you know, and I try and be prepared. And, um, And so I'm like, hey, look at this. I got a knife. And I had a knife and gloves and um and it, it might as well be like I didn't have either one of them because the uh, the guy that was uh, running with us, he used the knife, but it was so dull that he, he was, like, trying to cut through the hair, and it was just, like, terrible yeah. <laughs> through the skin. It was, it was interesting and painful to watch. But. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, he didn't use the gloves, and so he's, you know, elbows deep in this, you know, and because of how he hit him, um, how he hit the deer, it was pretty bloody up in there, and... Uh, I was like, man, and then he put his jacket back on afterwards, and his his normal gloves back on because it was cold. And it's like, man, that that jacket is full of blood for sure. <laughs> so, but you know, lesson learned from me. I need to sharpen my knives or get one of those replaceable ones, you know, and uh, keep that in my pack instead. Be a little bit more prepared. Um, and then um, I actually have a hunting tip um, as well, and I don't it you know it works mostly works better um, I, than nothing, but. For me, it's hands and toes. Those are the only things that, like, it's unavoidable to get cold. And, like, I try with good gloves. That can usually keep it. But, man, your toes, just after a while, they just get cold. And so what I like to do is I like to bring foot warmers. But when you're, you know, running with Ken, he likes to walk a lot, as as you know, Larry. And Absolutely. <laughs> and so um, I don't really like walking on those those foot warmers a whole lot and they kind of bunch up sometimes or whatever so what i do is i'll bring the foot warmers along and i'll put them on my like upper ankle like slide it in and it doesn't it's not the best but it works to it to a certain degree and it'll it'll get the heat at least you know it'll make it bearable so that you're not like frostbitten before you get back to the truck so that's my tip for you you want another tip from that yeah go for it next time get the ones that have a sticky like an adhesive side yeah put it on top of your toes because you have a lot more of a variance there in between their your boot and your top of your toes and it doesn't bunch up under your toes a lot more room up top yep. i like that i like that i have these heated socks now yeah, and i'm trying cheap. with those um but i don't you know sometimes i'm like did i turn them on oh <laughs> yep i did but can't feel it <laughs> good old amazon you know well there's no doubt um it's been brutal out here um we've had you know 18 14 degrees 25 30 mile an hour winds and uh, boy, the hunters that sit for a couple, two, two and a half hours, um, we didn't know if we were going to need a sled to you know, slide them out of there when it was over. It, it, it's been brutal. But uh, I'll tell you what, good boots, to me, th- your feet, the boots are your number one. I mean, if you can't move and your feet are hurting, and uh, we got uh, this uh, Jim Hoffman uh, from Hoffman Boots. And uh, I've got several pair of his boots, and I, I'm here to tell you, like today I've got the 1,000-gram mountain, um, you know, guide boot, and then uh, I just got a pair of 400 grams this year that I was running earlier in the hunt. But 
Yeah, I mean, a good insulated boot and a good boot is critical to hunting. And if you're going to be with buyers, you better lace up because you're going to be covering some ground, man. I've always maintained that I'd like to go to, to, to wake up with the energy that he goes to bed with. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. <laughs> the guy will wear anyone out. He's a mountain goat. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I was talking with Nate the other day because the bottom of his boots were starting to wear a little bit. He was saying he probably went. 700 miles in that pair of boots. That's that? And pretty much all of it has been with uh, old Kenny over here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the um, I wanted, Ken, I wanted to ask you about a story from uh, a couple years ago. And Larry, feel free to chime in if you want to, you know, because this does have, this does involve you. Uh, but Ken, I think you know where I'm going with this, and so I, w- I want to hand it over to you. Well, g- give me at least what species we were hunting, because I'm my gray matters. You well, know, we're doing we were doing whitetail, and uh, we were kind of uh, um, um, in the same kind of general area that we were with um, a guide, Rory, that we that we know, and and he uh, seemed pretty th- enthusiastic about a buck. Um, oh oh as man, soon as he this <laughs> this is epic. This, this literally, um, you know. I've known Larry for a good long while, and and he's just an assassin. He's just a killer. And so when it's his turn to go, you don't, as Nate found out this morning, uh, not a lot of time gets wasted in the field before you hear the roar of the, of, uh, the rifle going off. And Rory is uh, just a great guy that is a, a local South Dakotian. And uh, I don't Pretty know quiet. if I... If, Oh, oh very, very reserved. Just a, he'd have five pounds of something in his mouth and he wouldn't say a word. And, uh, he, <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of having a slow day. So it's like, man, we got to get a buck on the ground, man. It's the rut. We're in November. We got the high powers. We're all geared up. <laughs> we got tags to burn. <laughs> and Rory happens to say, big buck, big buck. He wouldn't say that. I'm telling you now, we've hunted with him for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. <laughs> he's never said that. So Larry is, you know, three feet from him as he's saying this. And he jumps out of the truck. He's down on his bipod. He is going, range him, range him, range him. Get the cameras. Are they rolling? Are they rolling? <laughs> I'm literally laughing because you know, hey, we're all serious hunters and all that, but very seldom are we jumping out of the truck, bailing, throwing the bipods on and shooting. Where it usually involves a, a stock. A stock, yeah. yeah. And Roy's yelling, "Big buck, big buck!" Larry throws his hat around ninja style. He's down on the scope and he's yelling, "Range!" <laughs> Larry, is that how you how you remember it? He's close, but <laughs> we we hunted the morning. We had a slow morning. It was rainy you know, kind of crappy. We came back, got a little lunch, and I do remember him and Toby tormenting me in the vehicle, and I said, look, it's time we, you know, go get, get out there and get some bucks on the ground. So we were going to an area, and this Rory was taking us, and we were just, we had a couple other guys with us, and we were going to go off this one point where we could look for a couple miles in each direction, and, uh, you know, we're just going to give them the lay of the land and set a couple guys and then drop a couple guys a mile or two away, and we're going to work these big draws. So we get there, and everybody's out of the truck kind of looking, and this thing is up in the air and high, and there's a muley buck underneath us a couple hundred yards, and everybody's looking at this deer yelling, big buck, and nobody wants to shoot. He was like 500 yards or something when we first spotted him, and uh, 
Ken comes over to me and says, you know what? Somebody's got to kill that deer. Rory's yelling, big buck. And ah, so Connor, you were there. You were right laying on the ground next to me. Forgot your hearing protection. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I says, all right. You know, and I, and I did. I looked. And, it, you know, you could see the white rack. It was it was in the weeds. And this buck just had his nose to the ground. And I asked one of the other guys, uh, hey, somebody shoot that thing. Well, that's too far. And so I give Ken, I was running the BDX system that SIG has and the Binox, and Ken gave me a range, and I think when we settled in on him, he was about 450, but he wouldn't stop walking. This buck, I told Ken, I'll just shoot him walking. <laughs> and uh, I got out in front of him a list, a little bit out on his brisket, tripped the trigger, and down he went. And, uh, good shot. Everybody's oh, it was a great shot. We're high five and we're rejoicing. I mean, yeah. it's like, you did it, man. He <laughs> down for the count. You peened him. <laughs> he, is, he is in the dirt. And if I remember correctly, there was a, a pretty, uh, vet, veteran hunter, um, Wayne behind him. And, uh, what did, what did he have to say about well, it? Well, here's the interesting part. So we're all happy in a lark, but again, this is middle early in the afternoon. We got a lot a lot of more territory to cover. So I think Connor, you and I went on the recovery team. And, uh, so off we go jump in a rig, we go around because this is down through a Valley and we can cut around and cut the distance in half to get to the deer. So we roll, we roll around there and jump out of the rig and we're kind of looking at the landscape. Okay. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be there within, you know, a hundred, 150 yards. We'll be at the deer. We, we, we go down and we're walking in the tall weeds and, and I, I, I the grass was a lot taller than when you got down there, you know? Yeah. So it was hiding the deer. Yeah. I walk up on the deer and I say, Hey, Larry, Larry over here. And uh, so here comes Larry, you know, and I'm looking at the deer, and, it, and the deer's what I thought I could see through the binoculars and so forth. And it had well, horns. Literally, yeah, well, what was your reaction there, Larry? Well, I was uh, I was doing a stand pots. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I, said, <laughs> I looked down. I said, you know, maybe we just say that. The coyotes got to eat too. I said, no. I said, give me a minute. And Connor's like, that's a nice buck. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this thing. Didn't no, have, no, here, hold he on. He didn't have hold ground on, hold shrinkage. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's the King Larry version, but that's not the right version. <laughs> what Larry did is he walked up there, and you got to know Larry, but, you know, he was doing it in jest. It was funny, but he's like, hey, hey, can we just tell the guys the coyotes beat us to the deer? <laughs> <laughs> but we took some good pictures, made the deer look bigger yeah, than it yeah. really was. <laughs> and you know what? It was. It was, uh, I mean, the country that we're hunting in. And, uh, you know, we kind of went, we, like I said, sharp knives, man. I mean, we deboned that deer right there on the ground and come up out of here and got some, Connor got some great shots. And uh, it's on one of the videos um on uh on on uh, hooked hunting and uh it uh it made a, it made so, a great yeah video. but but to connor's point when we roll up with that buck <laughs> in the back of the truck right, right our right. good friend wayne Manswall, <laughs> who who is just an absolute truly a legend in this business of outdoor writing and book writing on hunting he, he looked at larry <laughs> He said, 
I can't even because he's so polite, so polite, very he, soft-spoken oh, he's, dude. He is a very he, uh, he's, he's a, a gentleman. gentleman. Yes, he is a gentleman. And, and he uh, and he looked at Larry. <laughs> he said, "Well, Larry, I see you've done well to keep up your reputation." <laughs> <laughs> it was a great shot. That's what he was talking about. So, the so then we instilled upon Larry the quote of "Killing tomorrow's trophies today." Yes. Yeah, yes. they were going to get me a T-shirt. They were going to print some prints for me, and, but we got some other guys in camp that I, whew, I finally slid out from underneath that one. <laughs> the, the buck I got today should should help me a little bit. Yep. <laughs> oh, you've had plenty of killers since then, for for sure. And you know, and it was a good shot. It was a running buck. You couldn't couldn't really see it, right? Well, um, I do have. You have anything else you want to say there? <laughs> no, but. Uh, Rory to this day says, I never said big buck. He said, buck, nice buck or something. I don't know, but he, I would have never tripped her on him. But, but no, it, it, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was an eight point or nine point. Yeah, it was a nice two and a half year yep. old deer and, and it uh, ate good. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah he ate good. Whoa. Oops. Sorry about that. What did you say? I said, even with the milk on his lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go there, but yeah, uh, it pretty much. Yeah. Uh, well, I do have one more story I want to ask you about, Larry, that I don't know about. I just kind of heard about it the other day. It was um, from Norman Sporting Goods. Um, I don't know if you remember anything. Ken, you might need to jog his memory. But <laughs> his Norman eyes just got huge. You don't remember that. Oh, yes, I uh, do remember that. I look, this is maybe in a three, four podcast <laughs> on the line, I might share a little more about the Normans and <laughs> incident, but it, yeah, that's not that. I mean, we can take it out if no, you want. I'm not ready to share that. <laughs> I, I just know that there were cleanup aisle three was <laughs> enforced at a high level. Oh Hazmat might have been involved. It was terrible. We can't wait. Why would you even go there? That's not a hunting <laughs> store. No, that's that. We edited it out. This it's is not a real life situation, you know. Right. Right. So I was um, I was a superintendent on a third shift, and uh, my kids were small. This is years ago. I can't remember. You remember? <laughs> remember something like this? So it's my, epic. It's yeah, epic. My wife, uh, you know, I I told her, well, "Why don't you meet me up in you know town in Bad Axe, Michigan?" And well, there's a great restaurant. They had great breakfast, and I said, "Bring the girls up, and we'll have breakfast, and we'll run over to Norman's. You want to do?" Yeah, I mean, Norman's was big. I mean, a big store with good pricing on, you know, name brand Levi's, Irish Setter, Carhartt. Carhartt, yep. So anyway, we we go and get this big breakfast deal, right? And, man, I, I load up there, and, uh, man, the omelets and pancakes. I mean, we, we do it up. So we go over to Norman's, and, and we're in, like, aisle four, and I, I, I get this rant. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm running for the blaster. I'm trying to find a blaster, and, and uh, it's locked. <laughs> and there's nobody in there. Now I got to get to the desk and get back with this key to get in there, you know. I go in there, and this is great big room, and the toilet's over in the corner. It's got a high-rise manifold on it. I mean, this thing, the toilet seat's about four, five inches off the rim, and, man, I'm I'm peeling clothes. Head blaster. Holy mackerel, I let go, and I looked, and this we can't. You gotta edit this whole thing. You ain't gonna be able to podcast this. And this, and I looked at the walls, and this stuff shot out, come out. It was on the wall, under the sink. And I'm looking. I'm thinking it's got to be all over me. 
nothing. I got up as clean as a whistle. I turned around and looked like somebody massacred a butcher to hog. So anyway, I'm like, man, you know, I I do as much I could do. They didn't have a mop, nothing in there. <laughs> I did flush, but most of it was on the wall and running down the side. Anyway, I opened the door. I kind of looked both ways and just kind of slid out of there. Told the wet kids, come on, we got we to gotta get out of here. They're going to be they're gonna be doing DNA to find out what they've done. Uh, that's a and, good story. Did they write a book about that? Yeah, not appropriate for podcast. <laughs> Writings on the wall by Hoofrung Poo. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Oh, well. I don't know. Then that, uh, yeah, don't get one of them high rise seats because they high rise seats contain it. They, they need to make a recliner then. <laughs> oh, that that's your that's your lesson for the day. Don't get one of those high rise seats. <laughs> I'll just tell you what, man. That, if you do have a shower handy, <laughs> when you're done, you can step right in. <laughs> but, you know, getting back to hunting and, and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, we've all had our moment in the blasters, but back to hunting. Um, you know, Ken was talking about crossing rivers and taking your boots off. Well, I'm here to tell you, I've been with him. There's snow on the ground, ice on the water, and he's in his underwear. <laughs> walking across holding his pants up over his head so when he gets to the other side he's got dry cl- i'm telling you the guy if, if he thinks there's a buck over there it, it doesn't matter he's going so be prepared well i'm excited to do that later today because uh we ken's got a tag we got to get him a, a buck last one in camp right now yep. before we transition to our next one. Oh well that was uh it's <laughs> quite the story there yeah, um, you're going to have to get, that's going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> I can go share that with the public. <laughs> well, uh, thank you gentlemen for uh, joining us for the podcast today. Uh, Justin, uh, thanks for coming in and staying a little bit longer. I know you got a long drive ahead of you and uh, sharing everything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. Um, and guys, please leave a review for us. Uh, that would really help us out. We're uh, kind of on the new uh, new turn of this and we really would love to uh, hear more about it hear what you like um, you know if you're if you're down for the Norman stories or if you're uh, want to stick to hunting let us know <laughs> and uh, but yeah thank you very much for uh, listening and we will catch you guys on the next one